Hi, Coffee and Convo listeners. I'm your host, Liz Bullard, and here's a quick ad before we get into our episode. Welcome back, Coffee and Combo listeners. It's your host, Liz Bullard, and this is my podcast where I talk about wellness, politics, and activism with friends, leaders in the community, and other great conversationalists. In this episode, I am joined by Brian Scacchetta, and he has a very interesting company and brand that touches on getting out of your head and all things mental health. So I'm really interested in covering a lot of wellness. So welcome, Brian. Thanks, Liz. Thanks for having me. Happy to jump into all things mental health and maybe a a few other things along the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so um, I like to start off with my coffee and combo question, which is, are you a coffee or a tea person? What's your perfect cup? Oh, that's a tough question. I would say right now I've gotten into a little bit more of a rhythm with iced coffee just trying to finish up my second book. And one of the one of the things that I find from a writing perspective is that it helps me to, if I can just have a cup, it like really focuses me and gives me some of that energy to be like, you know, locked down and actually write. Whereas I, I do deal with or struggle with procrastination from time to time when it's like- Guilty. You say, you know, you say to yourself, oh, I'll do that tomorrow, right? I'll, I'll work on that chapter tomorrow. I'll do that editing mm-hmm in two days, it can wait, right? Mm -hmm. And the problem is you end up finding yourself doing that again and again and again. (laughs) So I do feel like the coffee has helped me kind of reel that back in, be a little bit more scheduled or uh, I don't know, just disciplined with my writing. I do enjoy tea as well, but I don't know, since it's usually more of a, a, uh, you know, the, I usually drink it warm, then I'll have it when it's cold out. So it being the summer right now, kind of going on a nice coffee vibe. Absolutely. And I like how you talked about it kind of goes into the routine of like, okay, like it's work. There's something about coffee that's kind of like really like focused. Like it has like a whole kind of like profile of its own, but then adding like the ice elements kind of like relaxed, like business, but relaxed. Oh, it's great. Yeah. And that kind of reminds me that business, but relaxed kind of reminds me of um, your, your company. So when I went to your website, I was just like, oh, is, is this mental health? Did I click a wrong button? And because the branding is so interesting and it has like this edge and then I'm like, oh wait, it's like a snake, but there's like a brain and there's all these things. So please share a little bit about who you are in, in your company. Yeah, sure. So just to give you some background, Brian Sachetta, author, blogger. I also, as in my full-time role, I actually write software for a living. So I'm a mobile developer, but early on, you know, probably in high school and then college. And I talk about some of this stuff in my book. It was like, I really want, you know, I, I, I had these different experiences in my life where I dealt with anxiety almost to the point of like burnout and exhaustion and not really knowing what to do, almost a sense of hopelessness. Right. And so I'm going to compress that, that journey down very, you know, to a, a very small timeline, but basically over the course of, let's say eight to 10 years, I really said to myself, like, okay, number one, I've identified that this is something that I struggle with. Also identified, you know, dealt with depression from time to time, OCD, lots of different mental health issues. But I identified that I dealt with them. And then I said to myself, like, you know, this is something that I've got to figure out how to live with, right? I don't Mm -hmm. don't necessarily foresee myself just getting rid of all these things magically. Why don't I do some research, read some books, um, you know, go live my life and try to 
take my experiences and distill them down and say like, hey, this is what helped me or this is what worked for me and this is what didn't. And so somewhere along that path, right, it was it was me saying to myself, like, I want to figure these things out. And then I, you know, this is just kind of the person I am, right? Like, uh, I don't know if it's like solutions oriented or sharing oriented or things of that nature. But I said to myself, like, I want to figure out how to deal with these things. And then I want to take my strategies or take my my takeaways and uh, provide them to others in hopes of helping them, right? So when I say like, hey, it was a 10-year journey, and it, you know, in a lot of ways, it's it's ongoing, right? You're always finding out new things about yourself and whatnot. I wanted to, I, I said to myself, that was a long and painful journey. Uh, in some ways, it was like maybe because I was a little early to the space in the sense of, you know, if you went on Amazon in 2008, there were not nearly as many books on mental health as there right. are today, right? So I felt right. like, Maybe I learned some of those lessons the hard way. I'm not entirely sure, but I said to myself, like, I want to be able to compress that journey down for my readers, my listeners, right? So somebody who comes along and picks up my book, hopefully, instead of struggling with this stuff for like eight years, maybe they could apply it, uh, apply the lessons that I provide and turn things around. I don't, I, I don't want to put a timeline on it, right? But in a shorter amount of time. And so if we... Fast forward all the way through that, you know, you get to 2018, I published my first book, which is called Get Out of Your Head, A Toolkit for Living with and Overcoming Anxiety. That was kind of like my foray into the space. Mm -hmm. And after I published that book, I was like, okay, you know, got to keep this going in, in the sense of like, you can't really just publish a book and be done with it. So I started blogging, just mm -hmm. different ideas that came to me. And, you know, like in the blogging space, it's, you can be a little bit, there's more I want to say there's a little bit more free reign with it than like a book where like with a book, you do have to be a little bit disciplined with the ideas. They have to fit together, be cohesive with a narrative or a theme, something, you know, things around that nature. Mm -hmm. um, but so with the blog, it was like, if I had an experience, like in my everyday life, I might come back and write about it. Right. I, right. There may be a, a specific takeaway from that. It, there may also just be a story that I want to share with my listeners. So that's, that's one of the things that I do regularly now, you know, right. Um, writing the blog post, but obviously trying to support the first book and then mm -hmm. writing the second book, which is about depression, which will be out later this year. And so as I'm moving along on that journey, obviously there's a lot going on there, but I kind of said to myself, like, I have to package all of this up in a way right. that is identifiable, right? Like I, I could potentially say, Hey, this is Brian Sachetta, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I kind of thought to myself, like, there's, there's a lot of potential here, maybe in, in the future, like I could bring on extra writers. I could bring mm -hmm. on somebody who writes an additional book under the same brand name. So mm -hmm. I was like, let's, let's brand this thing. Let's get the, and then, you know, kind of have it almost be like a hub for mental health. So people can go to get out of your And in the, like right now, you know, you can buy the books, you can read the blogs, um, you can buy merch, things of that nature, but I'm just kind of seeing in my mind, right? I'm like, okay, here I am today. I want to unfold this and uh, expand it, make it bigger. So yeah, the, if, uh, and I know this is a lot uh, no, to answer no, the question, you're fine, but uh, you're fine. cool. So when it comes to the brand itself, right? Like my designer and I sat down and we said to ourselves, what, what exists like on the marketplace, right? And, and then also in, in terms of mental health brands right. and messaging and, um, identities and things of that nature. It's like, what could we, how do, I had already had my first book out when we went and sat down and we're like, let's, let's create a brand identity. So we said, we said, what, what is it that, what are some of the, the themes and the tones and the emotions that I convey through the book? Right. And then how do we distill that down into a brand? And so mm -hmm. one of the things that my designer helped me with was 
saying like, he's like, you know, if you read your book, it's pretty, it's pretty like in your face or like he used, you know, he used the term like no BS. He's yeah. like, you don't sugarcoat things. You're very straightforward with things. You tell a lot of stories that like people might not feel comfortable with in terms of them, them telling their own versions of those stories. Right. Mm. I, 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 I could be wrong. You never know how people receive you, but I would like to think that some of the stories I tell where there's like an element of vulnerability or something mm-hmm. like that, I would like to think that folks, the reason why I write those, right, is so that folks who have been through the same things or are going through the same things can say, wow, I see myself in those situations. I understand. I can almost put myself right in some of those stories and then take some of the same takeaways that Brian is putting forth and apply them to my life. Obviously, every reader is different. So maybe Mm -hmm. not every single story I put forth is going to be relatable or something that they've dealt with, but that was the overall idea. And then so when we came up with this iconography of a snake brain, right, it was sort of, you have this figure that is a little bit scary, a little bit in your face. And so the, you know, with branding, it's sort of trying to figure out what the messages are behind the symbolism or the 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 font or all the different parts of the actual design, right? And so the snake is sort of, there's a few different things going on there. One is like with a snake, you know, you have this coiling sensation yeah. or a phenomenon where like a, you know, a snake's body can coil around its prey. And so what we wanted to do there was symbolize the idea of like uh, the, the, the mind coiling, right? And kind yeah. of putting you on this downward spiral. So that, that was definitely a part of it. Uh, I, I actually... I mentioned this part and it makes me laugh a little bit because it's random for most folks, but like I listen to a lot of heavy metal. And so I just kind of felt like, Hey, you know, if we can embed some of that into it, like that's part of my personality. So it has like a metal vibe to it. Right. Um, And then I think one of the last parts was maybe not necessarily intentionally wanting to stand out. Maybe it was just look at, you know, my designer looking at my book and having read my book and saying like, it, it is different than some of the things that are out there. Right. You look in the mental health space, and this is not to disparage anyone, like every brand works for each company, right? But there are a lot of brands out there that are like mental health and unicorns and sunny <laughs> skies and all these sorts of things, right? And yeah. my designer was like, you know, your whole brand or your whole message is like none of this like BS stuff, like sugarcoating, dancing around ideas. We're getting to the point really quickly. We're pinpointing things. We're throwing a lot of solutions at you. Maybe some will work, maybe some won't, but we're not doing the whole like hold hands and kumbaya sort of thing. So again, not, I'm, you know, I obviously say that in a little bit of a flippant way, but I don't mean it that way. I'm not saying like, there's not a place for that. I'm not saying some brands don't do that really successfully, just that that wasn't exactly what we envisioned with get out of your head. So, but, but I, I love it because mental health sometimes is very cookie cutter, right? And this is like you've taken your, you took your experience and said, I'm going to be vulnerable and I'm going to write about my experiences and I'm going to write about my healing and my journey because not this cookie cutter form works for everyone in that mental health space. And and so I love that, you know, essentially you, you took this idea, you got it out of your head, you put it out there and you said, I'm going to let my brand represent me. And I think that's very important, especially when we're talking about mental health and we're talking about wellness, because we sometimes get caught up in what's trendy and like, Oh, this is what's trendy in mental health. And this is how you get healed. And 
that might not work for you. You know what I mean? And like really being about authentic about your journey and, and what you need so that you are well. And, and I love that. And I love how you, you use the phrase, you went, wanted to go live your life when you were um, looking for your healing as far as your anxiety and some of your depression. Because I think we talk about mental health as, you know, you will live your life when you have zero symptoms. And that's not always a reality. And like, sometimes you might have some anxiety symptoms, you might have some depression symptoms, you might have some PTSD symptoms, but it's about how do you live with that and live fully with that. And so I love how you talked about you wanted to live your life um, versus I'm going to live my life once X is zero type thing. Yeah, definitely. And you touch upon an interesting concept, right? One of the things that I talk about throughout my writings is there is this sense where folks come to someone like myself, right? Who deals with mental health issues and helps clients in, uh, in, in coaching and various writings and all sorts of different content, right? There's this, there's this almost desire. And and this is part of the difficulty of the journey or like, this can be a sticking point for folks where, you know, because I've been in this situation before too, where you're sitting at your computer or you just got out of an interview or something like that, where you were nervous or you were mm-hmm. anxious. And, you know, you have this revelation where you say, I just got to figure out how to get rid of, of this anxiety, how to get rid of this depression, whatever it might be. And one of the themes that I talk about throughout a lot of my writing and all of the different ways that mental health affects us is seeing the conditions that we have differently. And mm-hmm. that's not to say like to stop trying to overcome them, but part of, it's almost this seesaw effect where like, as you see it differently, it affects you a little bit less. And then in turn, you actually mitigate it even more. Whereas if you have this, I don't know, there's this friction of like, I I have to solve this, I have to get rid of it right away. There's this tension that builds in the body. And then you end up becoming more anxious, possibly more depressed. You know, obviously, it depends on specific situations. I'm general generalizing here. But I think it's important to be able to look at some of the things that we we encounter slightly differently. One, one example that I can give to make that a little bit more concrete, right? There's a study, um, this woman uh, out of Harvard, who uh, the, the idea that she was trying to put forth was saying that we should, I forget what the exact word is, but it's, it's essentially reframing anxiety, right? So mm-hmm. if you're going into a social situation, instead of saying like, I'm so nervous right now, I'm so anxious, like I, these people are gonna, you know, whoever I'm going to see, they're gonna realize how nervous I am, they're gonna realize I'm a fraud, they're going to realize like, you know, and almost allowing this, the, the, whatever, like, even though anxiety is many different things, it's also energy inside Mm -hmm. our bodies. Right. And so it's like allowing this energy to almost like pummel us down and defeat us or Mm -hmm. tire us out. Right. So what she was trying to say was like, instead of showing up to that event and being like, I'm fighting this stuff off and I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to not let it beat me down or whatever it is. Like you almost look at it and you say again, one way or another, Anxiety is part of it is the energy. If it's your heart racing or your palm sweating or something like that, mm-hmm. she says, you know, reframe the way that you that you tell yourself about that experience. So instead of making some of that small, small talk that I that I kind of just mentioned, you say to yourself, maybe this is my body preparing me to be energetic and excited for this situation in which I'm going to go interact with others, right? Because if we go further and further, which, you know, we will do one more layer, we don't have to do them all. But you could say, hey, I'm going to meet all these brand new people. 
And if I show up and I'm boring, they're not going to want to talk to me. They're not going to want to exchange numbers with me. They're not going to want to hang out with me. But if I go and I'm present and I bring a lot of energy and I walk up to people and I'm willing to be friendly and engage in conversation and ask questions about folks, um, even though that might not always be easy, especially when, you know, again, our, our hearts are racing out of our chest. If we can look at it in that fashion, then, you know, it's almost this self-fulfilling prophecy where the experience that we think we're going to have is the one that we either end up having, or we have some form of that. And so being able to look at the anxiety and not necessarily say, this is the worst thing that ever happened to me, but say like, Hey, this is an opportunity for something else to occur. uh, That can be really beneficial. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I like how you talked about seeing things differently because again, that's really about what it is. Like if you're just like, oh man, like I'm never going to get over this depression. I'm never going to get over this anxiety or, you know, I'm not strong enough. Whatever labels you put on yourself, you kind of self-defeat yourself and you kind of have this learned helplessness of not even trying. And that can make the the problem even bigger. And so I really like how you talk about just reframing it, you know, and that's a great way to get control, um, of your mind and of your situations. Yeah, definitely. And and so in this time of COVID, mental health has definitely spiraled. Um, there's more people trying to get into therapy, more people trying to get in to talk to someone, especially in this time of, of isolation. And as we're talking about Delta variant, what is winter going to look like? Is there another shutdown? People can begin to spiral. And so tell me a little bit about if we're trying to get out of our head, how, how do you think that works with isolation? You know, are we stuck with ourselves? Are we stuck in our head? Like kind of share your thoughts on, you know, COVID and mental health a little bit. Yeah, sure. And I, I have actually written a few different blog articles over the last 18 months or so about the experience of COVID and mental mm-hmm. health, right? And one of the ones that I wrote early on, I tried to pinpoint five different ways that mm-hmm. folks could mitigate anxiety in the, the Corona era, right? And I think it's, it is difficult. I mean, there are so many things going on in the world, especially around COVID, right? I think one of the scary things is, you know, sometimes if we're dealing with something that's making us anxious or whatever, there's, and I'm, I'm not saying that these folks are right. I'm just saying that, you know, um, sometimes folks may say to us like, oh, oh, you're nervous about like giving a presentation. Like, that's not a big deal or whatever it is, right? And I think there is some truth to that, right? I think the truth is that it is a big deal to us, but it might not always be a big deal to everyone else. Whereas COVID is a different beast entirely in the sense of we're dealing with a virus that, you know, is life-threatening for almost, could be life-threatening for almost everyone. At the very least, it's this very uncertain thing. And so unlike, hey, you know, I I gave a presentation, it didn't go so well, like you, you will continue living, right? Um, COVID is unfortunately, and I, you know, I, I hate to be blunt, but it's like, it is this situation where like you have the thoughts at least cross your mind of like, is my family safe? Are are they protected? Like, are they doing the right things or whatever? And, and that kind of anxieties, again, I, I hate to compare things because, you know, it's once you get into that realm, it's, I don't know, it's hard to come back from that, but it is, I, I think we can all sort of agree that like when you're thinking, when you're being anxious about like the the health and safety of your loved ones, that's pretty profound, right? And so mm-hmm. that is going to affect us on a different level than maybe some of our more day-to-day fears, the ones that are a little more fleeting or something like that. And so I think 
we have to start from a standpoint of saying like, this is a big deal, right? And it's okay if it makes you worried, if it makes you fearful, all, all those sorts of things. Um, having said that, right, a lot of the a lot of the work that I do in the mental health realm, like it, it's funny. I'm trying to like figure out how to phrase this because I, you know, I I want to un- show that I understand the severity of like anxiety and depression and all these different things. But also, it's funny because it's like these are very serious subjects, and at the same time, one of the best strategies we have is to try to forget about some of the things that are going on Absolutely. and try to distract us. Uh, ourselves from yeah. our fears, right? And so this blog post that I was alluding to a minute ago, where I said, like, hey, here here are some of the things you can do, right? A lot of the strategies were really simple, and, I, and I'll get to a bunch of them. Um, but it kind of speaks to this like counterintuitive nature about mental health, where it's like, maybe the ideas and the topics that we're dealing with are really profound. But sometimes and this isn't to, again, this isn't to like, make it sound as though like, we're trivializing any of the things that we go through, right? But some of the best ways to deal with them are the simple ones and kind of the ones that you're like, well, like that's almost stupid. It's like so easy, right? Yes. Um, and so, so, you know, getting into some of those, right? Like things that I talked about were like the number one thing that you have to do, you, ha- you have to try your best to do is understand that even though the idea of like the virus could come and it could wreak havoc upon my family, we know we know that that exists, right? That that possibility exists. We yeah. have to do our best to distract ourselves from that fear because when we think about it, it's not going to get us anywhere good. Mm. Um, when we talk about anxiety in general, it's like there are some fears that are beneficial, right? I, I think the 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 one that a lot of folks use or go back to is like, you know, we're worried about um, you know a, a lion or a tiger that crosses our path, right? And um, you know, there's there's like fear and there's anxiety. And it's like, if a, if a lion is in front of you, that's fear. And it's like, I'm trying to get out of that situation as quickly as possible. Um, maybe we are thinking about a lion being on our path and something like that. Maybe that's a little bit more of anxiety. I, I don't want to get too far into the semantics or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but so I think, you know, when we think about some of the, um, s- some of the important ways by which we can uh, as the simple ways, right. That we can mm-hmm. overcome some of those fears, uh, things that I talked about, right. Was like, so that first one was like, just not trying your best not to think about your fears, mm-hmm. even though right. you know yeah. that, um, they, they create this chemical reaction in your body and they create these, uh, physiological, uh, responses and whatnot, right. There was a time and a place in history or wherever it may be, there may even be some fears, um, that it's beneficial to think about them, right? If it's like, Hey, I'm worried that I'm not going to do well on this presentation tomorrow. Um, the, the potential benefit of that fear is like, or, or an exam, right? An exam is probably the best example is like, we say, I'm worried I'm not going to do well on this exam. What we can do is we can go to our desks and we can study for another four hours, right? So there's a beneficial aspect to that fear. But, uh, a lot of the fears that we experience, especially the ones that seem to never go away, the ones that are perpetual, right? Those are the ones like when they recur, that's when you have like, you almost say to yourself after a certain amount of time, you have this awareness where you're like, I know, I sense a pattern here. I've done this a million times before. Right. And so once you find yourself having that realization, I think it's easier to say to yourself, like, this is one of those fears that I can put the label on as like, do not think about this. Right. Because (laughs) I've, I've, I've rehashed this a million times and it's never led me anywhere beneficial. So again, going back to some of those ideas with COVID, it's like as scary as 
negative outcomes with the virus are, we got to do our best to put those aside. So then how do we do that, right? There's a million different ways. Everybody has their favorites. Some of the ones that I talked about in that article, some of the ones that I like a lot, one is like physical activity. Mm -hmm. It could be going for a walk. It could be, you know, doing push-ups in your house. One of the reasons I wrote that, that article was because it was obvious at the time that like everybody was on lockdown, right? Right. And so for me to say like, hey, go to the gym and play five on five, pick up basketball with your friends, like not feasible, right? People freaked out when the gym shut down. It was all over. <laughs> exactly. And so it's like, you know, I, I'm not saying that everybody wants to work out from home, but like we got to do what we got to do here, right? And if it's, if the options are work out from home and work on our mental well-being or, uh, you know, help our mental well-being a little bit versus like sit on the couch and go further and further into despair. Like I think the the options become rather clear, uh, you know, clear rather quickly. And so when it comes to working out, right, I, I, I love going for a walk outside. I'll throw some headphones in. I might listen to an audio book. I might listen to a, uh, my favorite songs, something like that. The physical act of moving around uh, is really important for us in the sense mm -hmm. that, you know, you have all these thoughts that are almost trapped in your mind. They may even make their way into your body and you have this mm -hmm. energy that is coursing. Um, but the problem is if we're sitting on the couch, then like the energy is going through us. And it's almost as if like, we're kind of like cars that are stuck in park, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and we're revving the engine. And it's like, okay, all this energy is going and going and going, but like it's, we're not dispelling it. And so it's making us feel worse. So some sort of physical activity allows us to burn off some of that excess energy, or at the very least channel it into better places. So again, when it comes to working out from home, like, <laughs> I think we're all sort of experts in this now, because we've done it for so long. But like, a couple ideas, right? Uh, I, my apartment is tall, so I run the stairs, which I mean, it's kind of kind of crazy, but you do what you got to do. I do yoga from the living room. I go for a walk outside. I may do like a jumping jacks, wall sit um, sort of workout, anything that you can get creative on. And, you, and to be honest, you don't need much, if any, equipment. Um, you know, it's beneficial just just to get your body moving, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I uh, that I mentioned in one of those articles, which it was funny because some folks posted and uh, there was a little bit of disagreement, right? But so one of the things that I said was like, you got to do your best. And I know like not everybody, again, will agree with me here, but you got to do your best to like turn off the news and just, you know, whatever negative sources you have, if it's Twitter, if it's your, uh, you know, the Apple news app, something that delivers you notifications or stories or something, uh, most of these news outlets, and I mean, not every single one, but a lot of them are going to provide us like the stories that we don't want to hear, the headlines that we don't want to see. I mean, I could I could talk about it all day, right? But the problem is like there's a lot of great people in news organizations. But right. the issue is that the business model that drives news organizations is predicated on clicks and shares and eyeballs and views and all that sort of thing. And if a news organization was like, hey, here are your five headlines and it's like, man has great day, woman has excellent day, like all these things, right? It's like, everybody's kind of like, ah, yawn, like move on to the mm -hmm. next one. And so I don't, it's, it's obviously not a conscious decision, but it, an unfortunate reality is that a lot of the news stations, they're like, hey, how do we get people attracted or hooked on the information that we're providing? And then, again, unfortunately, it's like you put out these scary headlines, you put out these stories that like create uncertainty in folks and really get them like, you know, kind of biting their fingernails yeah. and looking at the the TV screen and whatnot. So the way that I had phrased it when COVID first started was, look, we already know what's out there, right? We were locked in our homes and obviously things have changed a little bit since then, but like we're still in this kind of on the edge of our seat situation. 
we all know that the virus is out there. Like a lot of us have the vaccine, which is, you know, that's awesome. For like, uh, especially from a mental health perspective, if mm-hmm. like that can give you uh, some relief in knowing that like, Hey, I can go to the grocery store and I don't have to worry so much all the time. Like that's, that's great. You know? Um, but the, the, the bottom line that I, that I had put forth in that article was like, we know what's going on out there. We don't need more reminders of it because the reminders end up becoming triggers that send us back into our heads, recreate all the fear. The next thing you know, it's like two hours later, we're in a cold sweat in our beds thinking that the apocalypse is like upon us, right? When like, right. yes, this is a scary situation, but it's not it's it's not to that extreme, right? And so we just want to be careful that as we are in this scary time and we're in our we're in our houses and the opportunities to jump into our minds are a lot larger or uh, there's a lot more opportunities to do such a thing. We just want to be careful that we we try our best to counter that, right? Because, you know, going back to the question that you asked in terms of isolation and whatnot is like, what I notice is like when I am alone, and this Mm -hmm. is, I think most folks, right? It's like when I'm alone, I don't have the distractions of like, I'm talking with a family member, I'm talking with a friend. And not only do those conversations sometimes lead to positive emotions, but they keep like almost the guardrails up in my Mm -hmm. mind where like they prevent me from going to the dark places. Whereas like, Mm -hmm. you know, three days into the week when you haven't really talked to anyone because you're not going to the office or whatever, it's like in a spiral. Exactly. And then you think to yourself like, oh, geez, like how did I get here? And this is not good. So we just got to be careful um, at a time like this. That's all. So many great points. Um, First, kind of circling back to the physical activity, because you're exactly right. Like um, in this time of COVID and while, like you said, things have gotten better, there's still some of that fear. Some people are still being a little bit more isolated. Some people have not returned to work, all these different things. And being mindful of, are you doing enough to kind of move that energy Um, especially kind of even thinking about the kids who have been isolated and who may be struggling during this time, making sure you're getting that movement, um, having that energy because it just will go to your mind and now your mind is kind of an overdrive. So I love that, that piece of advice. Um, And also about, I, I like that you touched upon the news and content because like you said, we don't need any additional reminders of what we're worried about and being conscious of that because your phone picks up your patterns. And if you tend to look at things that cause you stress and cause you anxiety, well, that's just going to be the first thing that's on your, 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 your Facebook feed, your Instagram feed, and you're going to constantly be in the spiral. So being aware of like, okay, like I do not need to consume this content or this amount of content because I'm spiraling. And, and I think that is, again, valuable. While news and social media is important, we use it to advertise our business and connect with people, being aware of when you need to say, okay, I got to turn this over or turn this off or delete this. Definitely. And I think one thing to kind of follow up that point, right? There's no, there's no harm or it's, it's, it's a good thing to be informed. But Mm -hmm. when we are locked in our houses and we don't have anything to do, and all, all, you know, the, the only opportunity we have is like be on the phone, be on the computer, be on the TV. It's, it's not long before we've watched six hours of news <laughs> yeah. and that is way too much. Right. And so, uh, the, we just want to be mindful of that. Again, it's like, if you need whatever information you feel like you need to get in order to be informed, great. But like, do you really need more than 10 minutes of that? I would, I would kind of guess not unless you're going into a a, I don't know, some sort of investigative piece, which would not necessarily be the same as a lot of the stories mm. that we get around like COVID, right? Because 
I mean, there are different things going on all over the country, but for the most part, the, the narrative is the same within any given week. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, I like how, like, even like, kind of like how you went back to saying like the simple stuff, even though it sounds stupid, it really works. But like even saying like, okay, I'm only spending 10 minutes on the news cycle because you can get wrapped up in it or, and I know we're using news, but that could be anything, whether that's, I'm going to only spend 10 minutes thinking about this argument, or I'm going to spend 10 minutes doing this. So that way you're kind of putting up that barrier of, okay, I'm, I'm only going to worry about this, but then I need to move on. I need to create some different patterns. And really that's what it's about, like creating these different patterns of behavior so that way you're able to function. Yeah, totally. And the, uh, you, you touched upon a strategy that I don't put in my writing, but I've definitely heard from different authors is like carving out a dedicated time on the schedule where it's like your worry block or your anxious mm-hmm. block. And so- in the books that I've read that have talked about this, they say you can't be anxious or what, like, I mean, I'm not going to use, you can't be anxious because, you know, anxiety is a lot of different things, but you can't worry or ruminate or obsess over specific things outside of your worry block. So if you want to dedicate a half hour every day, an hour every day, a half hour a week, whatever works for you, you have like, as you were just alluding to, right? Mm -hmm. You, You almost say to yourself, I, this is my 10 minutes of news. This is the dedicated time I have to watch watch these different channels. Uh, this, uh, in that same fashion, these authors say, hey, you get 30 minutes today. You sit down. You can worry as much as you want. You can think about anything you, that you want. But outside of that time, it, you shut it off and that's it, right? And obviously, it's easier said than done. But I think it's a really interesting strategy and one that if you try it out, like, it might be beneficial. Absolutely. Absolutely. And kind of what are your thoughts on suppressing emotions? Like, do you think like, cause again, mental health numbers have spiked. Do you think that people have been like suppressing emotions so long and now it's just kind of like, oh, I don't have anything else to do other than to be confronted with this, but kind of like facing your emotions and difficult situations versus suppressing. I mean, how do you balance the two? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that from a personal philosophy standpoint, I am very much a balance kind of person or a moderation kind of person. And what I mean by that is like, if if we confronted or thought about every emotion we ever had, right, we would almost be debilitated because mm-hmm. there are so many things going on in our daily lives. Like, you know, let's just say, for example, you, you, you're like, hey, I'm going to go drive to the grocery store and you pull out of your street and somebody cuts you off, right? That's one thing. And then you're driving along and you're like, oh, geez, I forgot that thing that I was supposed to bring with me. That's another thing. You get to the mm-hmm. store, they don't have your favorite product. That's another thing, right? And so it's like if you dwelled on all of those emotions, like you would never be able to really make progress in your life because you just, you'd be stuck in your head in some capacity for most mm-hmm. of your life. I think that you almost have to, it's this awareness or sort of, it's some sort of mechanism inside your mind where, you almost have to be able to develop the judgment to say to yourself, like, I understand what is, I don't know, a large emotion versus something that is a little bit more trivial or a little bit more minor. And Mm -hmm. the ones that are large, the ones that I feel like are seriously preventing me from moving forward in life or the ones that are recurring, right? Those are the ones that I want to pay attention to. Those are the ones I want to focus. I guess another good example, right, is like if you go outside for a run and you, you start to have like a little bit of discomfort, just a little bit, right? It's like, we have to be able to discern 
you know, what are the things that we feel we can push through and what are mm-hmm. the things that we, we need to give serious attention to. So kind of just saying it in a different flavor, but mm. it is important like to discern which one of, uh, which when it comes to our emotions, what are the big ones? What are the ones that come up often and the ones that we really need to sit down and say to ourselves, I have to deal with this sort of thing. And, um, you know, on the, on the side of like repressing or pushing down emotions, I think, so my approach is like, and I would assume that most psychologists, psychiatrists, not that I'm either of those things, but most folks would say like pushing down those emotions is a bad thing because it leads to repression. It leads to having those emotions fester inside of us and then Mm -hmm. reemerge years from now, months from now, whatever it is, larger and more difficult to deal with. And so that's one of the reasons, like when I talk about with the brand, right? It's like mm-hmm. not having that BS level, uh, not sugarcoating things. It's it's being able to say like, once you've gotten to the point where you feel like you are looking for solutions and you are finding me, you have encountered a problem that you can't avoid. Mm. And in one way or another, that's not to say like, oh, it's the biggest problem of your life or it's this big, hairy, scary problem, right? It's just a problem that you've identified that you feel like you need to actually do something about. Mm-hmm. You come to me, we start looking into the different strategies. We figure out what works for you, what doesn't. I think the difficult thing, right, is like if you say, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to deal with this. I don't, or even if you like live in denial, right? Like I'm not an anxious person. I, I wasn't anxious during that event or whatever mm-hmm. it was. The problem is that the patterns keep running. And they recur throughout your life until one day it's five years later. And you're like, I've had all these different issues and difficulties and whatnot, and I didn't address them. And the problem got worse. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't know, to answer the question succinctly, we we just have to create some sort of division in our mind where we say to ourselves, like that has met the threshold uh, for being large enough, painful enough, whatever it may be that we, I want to look into this. I want to think about it. And, you know, one of the things that I talk about, in some of my podcast appearances is like the difficulty with, if we're talking about like men and mental health, right? There's sort of this idea of like, Hey, I'm a masculine dude. I don't think about my feelings. I don't feel my feelings. I push them all down. I mean, if that legitimately works for someone, then I'm not going to tell them not to do that. But I think the problem is that is that most of the time that doesn't work. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like this ability to say to yourself, like, Hey, this may be something difficult that I deal with. This may be something uncomfortable, whatever it is. I'm I'm going to approach it like with a level head. I'm going to say, hey, I'm here to, I don't know if confront is the right word, but I'm I'm here to look at you. I'm tr- I'm here to move forward. I'm here to figure out solutions. That is a almost like a new form of of manliness, a, a new form of masculinity, right? Taking on the challenge, taking on the difficulty. So, long and short, yeah. I mean, got to figure out how to uh, approach the emotions. Absolutely. And again, I like how you talked about meeting that threshold. Um, Because again, with less distractions, um, it's like your brain could be like, okay, I need something to do. So I will focus on this event. I will focus on that. And so being able to say like, okay, like this is not on the threshold of things to be angry about, sad about, whatever label, and just saying, okay, I'm going to go on about my day. And it's like, okay, this is the thing that needs to be addressed. So um, again, very valuable information. And, and please share a little bit about um, uh, your coaching services and being a coach. You know, share a little bit about that. How has that journey been for you? Yeah, I was talking about somebody. I was talking with somebody about that earlier. And it was funny because they had asked me, you know, how long has that been going on? And it's sort of this gray area, right? Where like almost with any business, you 
especially if it's a services oriented one, it's like you may provide a service to someone before you even realize that that is the service <laughs> that like your business is oriented around. Yeah, right? yeah. So it's like, I started writing my book. I met with somebody and they were like, Hey, like the stories that you're telling me about the strategies that you're telling me about, like, those are really interesting. I think those would be beneficial for me. Like, could we have some phone conversations? And even though I was in the process of writing a book and selling a book and thinking about like, you know, how do I earn some, some generate some revenue, earn some right. income um, with all these different mental health offerings. I didn't really sit down and say like, okay, I I'm creating a coaching practice and this is how many clients I need. And this is what I charge. So it's, it's sort of been this, I don't know, like figure it out as you go sort of thing. But I have, you know, have a handful of clients where it's like, we get together. Um, I, I, tr I kind of try to paint the picture as like, you know, if you were to read my book, those strategies are a little bit more generic or, or at the very least I can't apply them. I can't write in the book like, Hey, John was dealing with X, Y, Z, right. And this is how John's gonna, going to get through this situation just because it's a, it's a book for all audiences. And, you know, unfortunately I can't write a book for every single reader. Um, mm -hmm. but so it's almost like already knowing some of the ideas or, or maybe not, but if, if you, if you're already familiar with some of the work, then you might approach me and say, Hey, I liked all those different strategies, but like, you know, the story you told in the book revolved around going skydiving or something, right. But mm -hmm. I'm not going skydiving. I'm doing something else. So we take those strategies, we apply them to the different things that you're, that are going on in your own life. And then we also figure out like what works for you, what doesn't, right? Because everybody's mind is different. Everybody Absolutely. makes sense of things differently. So mm -hmm. like, you know, I mean, for, for evidence of that, all you have to do is go to the review section on Amazon. There'll be folks, <laughs> there's folks who say, Hey, this book literally changed my life. And then there'll be books who say this, uh, excuse me, folks who say this book was terrible. So, um, obviously like everybody approaches things differently, interprets things differently. So just trying to figure out like, okay, where is this person at? How do these strategies apply to them? What kind of thinker are they? And then, you know, what be, based on that, which strategies do I think are going to work and not work? And then um, apply those to specific scenarios. Absolutely. And just say we have a listener on here and you're located in Massachusetts, correct? Yes. And if they're like, hey, I'm not there, but I'm interested in coaching services. Like, do you see people outside of mass or this is more something directly located to where you're located and they should maybe just pick up your book? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, all the coaching, I mean, especially given COVID, like it was all virtual beforehand. I mean, most of it was calls uh, with the rise of COVID or I don't know, the COVID era, right? Uh, with Zoom becoming more popular, like if folks want to do a Zoom call, I'm happy to do that. Not really doing in person just for, I don't know, kind of everyone's benefit, but also it, it makes it easier, right? That way, like if it, if it had to be in person, then the radius of folks that I could see would be 20 miles or something. But, you know, you get on a phone call, you get on a Zoom call, somebody could be anywhere around the world. But yeah, I mean, in terms of getting familiarized with get out of your head and the work that I do, I would definitely recommend picking up the book. And then, you know, if you feel like you need some additional work after that, or you want to talk one-on-one, -on -one, I'm happy to do that. Uh, we can apply some of the strategies or we can go into specific scenarios in your own life. So. Fantastic. Fantastic. Brian, this has been absolutely wonderful. Uh, I'm so into uh, the branding and, and your story. And I'm really interested in this book that you mentioned coming out this year, you said regarding depression. Yes. So 
I that one's I'm keeping it a little bit close to the vest. Uh, it's basically just going to be vo- get out of get out of your head volume two. Uh, it's going to be about depression, kind of keeping the actual title and details a little bit um, secretive, just to make sure you know. I don't know. I'm just trying to you build up a little bit. You got to protect it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and just uh, trying to build up some excitement. It's the the book itself is similar in the sense that, you know, I'm still the, the one writing it all the same ideas are, you know, I'm taking that, like, um, it's the same person approaching anxiety and depression. Uh, and even though they're very different, they're also similar in a lot of ways, right? Uh, one of the things that I talk about in the book that I can give a little bit of a preview on is there's a bunch of studies out there that show that like anxiety can actually lead to depression in the sense Mm -hmm. of like, if we, constantly find that our environments are making us stressed Mm -hmm. in a way that kind of never ends. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and also it's not so unbearable that like, we don't know how to deal with it. Like almost in a, like if we're continually experiencing mild stressors in our environment, um, ones that we can't necessarily control, Mm -hmm. um, uh, or, or at the very, or or they could be ones that like we, we can't know where they're going to come from, right? So they might be unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Um, when we constantly encounter those different kinds of stressors, over time, we run the risk of falling into depression in like a learned hopelessness fashion, right? So if right. if you almost rationalize it to yourself, you say, hey, I wake up every single day and five different things happen every single morning that are out of my control. And, um, you know, I, I could never predict them, but they stress me out and, they happen on the regular or whatever it may be. You get, you almost could get to a point where you say to yourself, like, this is just how it's going to be. Right. I'm, uh, I'm resigning myself into this hopelessness of like, things are never going to improve. And so that's a, there are a lot of different themes in the second book, but that's one of the things that I talk about. And I, obviously it's like, you know, going into a slightly new realm where like most of my writing has been about anxiety this far. I'm trying to figure out like, what are some of these carry through themes where it's like, how do I, how do I take anxiety or how do I pivot off of book one into book two? And so that's a, that's a key one. There's a, there's a bunch of others. I'll kind of, I, I'll leave them for folks when the book finally does come out. It'll be before the end of the year. Um, I'm definitely, I'm excited to share it with folks. Um, you know, it's, I'm depression is a tough subject, right? It's, um, it's very personal for everyone and it touches a lot of folks' lives and it's obviously, it's very hard to deal with. Um, but I guess, you know, just kind of like with the first book where it was like, I'm eager to put it out there and help, hopefully help some folks in moving forward. I would, I would basically say the second, the same thing, the second time around, especially in a world where it's like, we've been living through this pandemic for the last 18 months. You know, some folks might not have their jobs back. Um, some folks may have lost people during COVID and, um, you know, it's just, it's a really uncertain and difficult time. And it's so, it was so hard to figure out like, what do I write about? Right. And what is the tone of this book? You know, you don't want to come off as like dismissive or comparative or anything like that. So I, I try my best to just be empathetic and be there for the listener. Um, and so kind of take listener, uh, excuse me, readers, listeners, I guess, uh, whatever (laughs) format, but, uh, sort of taking readers on this journey of like, Hey, here we are. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't want to use too many metaphors because I'll actually give away some of the stuff that's in the book, uh, some of the key themes, but like, you know, we're, we're going on this journey together. Um, let's figure out like, it's not necessarily like a, Hey, I have figured out everything and I'm teaching you everything. It's more of like a, I'm here to, to be a good friend. Right. And I'm, 
you know, no matter what you're going through, like we're going to figure it out. We're going to get through it together and almost providing that, I don't know, that, that friendship, that camaraderie that you need uh, during a difficult time. I think that's a really good place to pause and end because absolutely in this time of isolation, in this time of distance, having a resource where people feel like there's a friend, there's someone going on the journey with them is is wonderful. And I hope you come back to Coffee and Combos to tell us about your your new venture. Um, But please share any last words, anything you want to leave the listeners with before I ask you my last question. Yeah, definitely. Uh, One thing that I say on most of my appearances and, you know, this isn't necessarily, it's it's not to be repetitive. It's just because it's what I think is effective and and what I want to leave listeners with is, you know, when it comes to mental health, I mean, there are some dark days, right? It's like when you're talking about anxiety, you're talking about depression, it can be really, really challenging. And I just want folks to know that, you know, there are other folks out there in the world that are going through uh, what you may be going through. And and hopefully that helps you feel a little bit less alone, right? And if you feel like, you know, hey, I need somebody to share my story with or something like that, please reach out to me. Uh, you can you can find me on Instagram. Uh, the the account that I use for the, the writing is get out of your head books. Send me a DM. I'd be more than happy to chat with you. Uh, and again, just just know that you're not alone and that things do get better. Um, it, it's, it's not always easy to see that, but... Um, I don't know, things do improve. And especially as you find out different means of coping and and reach out to other folks and and share journeys and experiences. So, Absolutely. And and listeners, um, Brian's information will be in the episode bio so that you can learn more about him and all the things that he is going on. And this brings me to my last question, which is what's in your cup. And this is where I ask my guest and my listener, what three things are you adding to your cup to get you through your day or your week? And Brian, while you think of your answer, I will give you mine. So the three things that I need to have a better week and a better day, um, definitely boldness. I love the authenticity of your brand and your organization. So I want to be a little bit more bolder with coffee and combos. I'm inspired to be a little bit more bolder. Um, creativity, because I find like when I use my mind to be creative, I feel better. I'm more inspired. So creativity, um, and really that movement, sometimes be very sedentary with my job, sitting all day. And so having a little bit more movement. So there's there's the better transfer of energy. So my cup is filled with boldness, creativity, and movement. So Brian, what's in your cup? What are you adding? Yeah, so I am going to skip movement since uh, <laughs> since you got that one, and that's a great one. I would say... Three things. So I guess we'll start with food or oh, yeah. it's, a, it's a loose term, but like, you know, during the week we need to be productive and, or if you have a job or, you know, whatever your schedule is, right? Like um, I talk about it in the first book is like, unfortunately, if you eat really heavy foods and really processed foods and really dense foods, um, they tend to hit you pretty hard, right? So it's like that 2.30 feeling after that big steak and cheese sub or whatever <laughs> it is. Um you know, I try to avoid that sensation. And some days I do it better than others. And some days I, I feel like I eat pretty well and my body still is a little bit out of line or whatever. But, you know, that's number one in the cup. I, I start every day uh, for breakfast. I have like a, a green smoothie that has protein powder and fruits and vegetables and um, just trying to kickstart some of that energy and feel a little bit lighter, you know, rather than like big heavy breakfast. Um, so that that's definitely one thing. And that I, I think the physical aspect of like, 
you know, if I'm not having that 230 feeling uh, and my body is feeling good, then my mind is also feeling good. And that mm-hmm. allows me to power through some of the week, do all of the different things that I need to do. Uh, second one would be to touch upon, you know, I was saying, um, touching upon the the logo and heavy metal and things of that, uh, things in that camp is music. Um, you know, there's, I, I feel like, I mean, obviously a, a lot of folks love music and listen to music and, um, and whatnot, but in a, in a world where we are perpetually in our houses or in our houses a lot more, uh, not interacting with as many folks as we once did, you know, it, it's easy to replace music with, uh, a, another, uh, I don't know, Netflix marathon or watching the news or something like that. And so for me, music helps me get out of my head. It brings good mm-hmm. feelings into my body. There are all, you know, there's different genres that do different things for you in terms of how they make you feel. So I try to, you know, if I'm trying to feel inspired or if I'm trying to, I don't know if I'm trying to work through something of a difficult emotion or whatever, I'll turn to my heavy metal. Um, if I'm looking to just feel uplifted and a little bit joyous or whatever, I'll turn to like electronic dance music. So I won't go too much farther in that, but music is definitely number two. And then three, kind of uh, a nice capstone to this conversation is the social aspect, right? So I've tried to make it a point to, um, even during COVID, and obviously we've kind of had ups and downs in terms of like lockdowns here, then they get lifted a little bit or whatever. But I try to make it to a a point to, um, you know, call the people that I'm close with. um, And especially like during COVID, call people that I didn't see as often, you know, it's like, as as you get older and the immediate family, uh, kind of takes over the extended family. It's like, I still try to call my aunts and uncles and folks that I don't see all the time, you know, getting some of that social interaction. It's not exactly the same, but Mm -hmm. it it does provide a little bit of that need. And we all need that, right. That, uh, being isolated can really lead to, uh, us getting in our heads and feeling more anxious and depressed. So those are my three. Absolutely. Um, Again, fantastic, a fantastic conversation on mental health. So listeners, if you're out there, I I hope this leaves you feeling not alone. And I hope that you, you know, explore what do you need to get out of your own head so that you are more well and more functioning to the level that you want to be functioning. And so, Brian, thank you so much for sharing. And um, listeners, again, find Brian on um, all platforms, on Instagram, and all information will be on the episode bio. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Liz.